Welcome to Fireside Nets, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts. I'm Spen Harris. He's my main man, Pete. And before we get into this free agency that has officially begun on Friday at 6 p.m., you and I had some pretty busy weekends. So, so I'll start off. I had a, a bachelor party in Nashville, Tennessee, which is a city without a basketball team, unfortunately. Uh, I got every single bit of news while I was there. I was at Kid Rock's Honky Tonk Bar, I think it's called. So I was there pretty much every single day, drinking with the homies, hanging out with The Bachelor, talking hoop. I had a lot of Knicks fans on the trip, so a lot of shit talk there. Uh, but overall, I got zero sleep. Uh, I drank my face off, and now I have no voice. So the reason that I wanted to share that with the audience, the whole National Bachelor Party thing, is, is if, if it sounds like I'm sick, if it sounds like I'm losing my voice, it's because I had to yell the entire weekend uh, because when we weren't at the bar and I wasn't screaming over music, we were at the Airbnb watching highlights on YouTube at 100 volume, and I had to scream over those highlights as well. Uh, so pretty good weekend in Nashville. Pete, any any questions about uh, this bachelor party in, in Tennessee I had? I heard you guys had a lot of sleep. You guys only went to one bar, but – how was the chicken sandwiches? I think they're known there for their like really spicy chicken sandwiches. Yep. How was it? Yep. I got Great know. question. Great question. So Nashville hot chicken, I had it from two different places. Uh, Prince Chicken, which is a, a more famous one. I went to Assembly Food Hall in Nashville, which is a really cool food court. If you're ever in Nashville, you're a food person, check it out. Got the hot, sweet barbecue chicken sandwich there. That was fire. Um, I actually ended up going to Martin's too. Martin's is another famous place. Got a pulled pork sandwich and a, a normal fried chicken sandwich from there. Equally as delicious. And then one other night we ordered some local hot chicken place. I don't remember. And that chicken was fire too. So three different meals, pretty much had chicken the whole weekend. You know, I told you we went to one bar. I lied. We went to three bars, but we went to the one bar three different times. And we went to the two other bars uh, one time each Florida Georgia line, which is very cool. And uh, Luke Bryan's bar. So really fun weekend in Nashville, but I got every single notification on my phone. The second free agency started the Damian Lillard stuff, um, all the net signings, all the nets subtractions. We'll get into that in a second, but Pete, you had a birthday on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. I think, I think you got it right. I think that's correct. And did Fair. you enjoy yourself? Very exciting. Before before I went out to eat with my beautiful girlfriend who took me out to town, I saw this amazing guy on uh, Bleacher Report app. He was on talking about the Nets about an hour. I think it was you. I think you're mistaken. You must have the wrong guy. I think it was you. Listen, yeah, so after- I, you know, <laughs> I, I haven't really talked about this on the podcast because it's it's minimal and it's something that I'm – do it on the side, but uh, Bleacher Report has asked me to do a few streams for them, talking nets. So I've been doing that. If you have the Bleacher Report application uh, and and want to listen to me do, do a net stream, I'll be streaming on Thursday at 1 p.m. That is the day after July 4th, July 5th. 
I'll be streaming 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for about 30, 40 minutes. It's a fun time. Come in, comment. Uh, I'm always happy to, you know, to have Nets Nation there. Um, but yeah, thanks for bringing that up. So, and and this the day I did that was your birthday. So I, you know, I don't really believe in faith or a higher power, but I do believe in coincidences. And the fact that, you know, I was able to do that stream on that day and it was your birthday. It was a special day. I want to hear about your birthday. You went to Tao, your lovely girlfriend took you there. Tell me about the night. And we're going to get into Nets talk, by the way. We just, you know, we got to go over our weekends. We haven't talked in a while. I was in a different state. He was he was eating delicious Chinese food. So so Pete, tell me about it. Yeah, well, we'll we'll, we'll make this very quick. I had some nice pad thai with lobster, couple drinks. Food is amazing there. It's really an experience at Tao. I, I know that you went there once. Highly recommend it. So we go eat. Perfect. Then she surprises me with a, a boat ride around New York City. You know, with all the lights, it's about dusk around the time. You get a lot of nice pictures. And it was nice, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm not the biggest romantic guy, but my girlfriend went all out. She's the best. And uh, that's it. It was a perfect birthday. That's all I could really ask for. Sounds amazing. And I was about to say, you do get romantic when you talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Facts. Facts. All right. Speaking of the Nets, let's get into free agency with the Brooklyn Nets thus far. Not a ton has happened, Pete. And, and we'll start with the additions. So the first signing, and I was shocked about this one because this this guy just was not on my radar, and it was Dennis Smith Jr. So Dennis Smith had a bit of a renaissance in Charlotte after, you know, kind of not panning out in, in Dallas. Uh, obviously played a little bit. I think the year the year Luca was drafted, and they went with Luca, and he it, it was tough for for Dennis Smith Jr. to find a home after that. But he he had a good a solid season as a backup in Charlotte. So talk to me. A little bit about Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, I needed a little help on his game because uh, even though he was pretty much the Nets' first priority, according to Shams, I, I needed a little homework done. I went to my guy, James, from British Buzz. You can check him out. He does a Hornets podcast. And he gave me the rundown. Basically, he made the team out of camp. Steve Clifford, former Nets you know, uh, coach, called him a top five guard, defensive guard in the league. Can't shoot, but I think I think we all knew that looking at the numbers. And he was like a really big part of that Hornets team last year. And they were really upset, like really, really, up, <clears throat> excuse me, really, really upset. I, I think it's a good find for the Nets. I really do. I'm a little concerned about the three-point shooting. I think he only shot like 28% from three, something like that. Uh, shooting number's not great. 66 of 249, all, all jump shots. Nothing, you can't. I don't know. It's an automatic brick. You can't play him without at least three shooters around. I don't know how they're going to play him with clacks. Overall, uh, I don't know. I'm happy they got another ball handler because Dinwiddie couldn't do it again like he did last year. But that's all I got on him right now. I'll tell you what I like about him. He's 25 years old. If you had asked me his age, I, I think I would have guessed he was a lot older than that. So he's on the younger side, which is nice. His game kind of reminds me of like Steve Francis's back in the day. He's a high flying guard. He can dunk the crap out of the ball. If he has the lane, he's athletic as all hell. Yes. His jump shot could use a little bit of work. He can get better from three, but something that the nets have been missing from that guard position is athleticism. I mean, outside of Dinwiddie, Patty Mills, Seth Curry, those guys were, were not very athletic. 
and you know they they're great shooters, but defensively they they were not they were not great. And I read something about Dennis Smith Jr. I don't know if, if you said this. I think the Athletic actually uh, put it in their article. He's one of the best defensive guards in the NBA. So yes, the Nets are going to have to figure out how they can make up for the three point shooting of the guys they lost, and we'll get into that in a second. But I, I like this signing after thinking about it defensively we got better another ball handler a poor man steve francis and and a guy who's still trying to make a name for himself in the nba as a younger player with something to prove with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder give me that guy all day absolutely i think we needed a a quote-unquote dog i think we what was it Mark said that they needed guys to compete this is a guy that's definitely going to compete like we said defense passes the ball needs to work on his shot uh, you can't ask for anything more, really. I think he might have been the best, like, point guard available as far as far as like being a backup, right? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, the Nets' other addition, and this I loved, loved this pickup by Sean Marks, former Laker and Spur Lonnie Walker. So, Pete, tell me what you liked about this addition. Another young guy, another athlete, another defender. He's 24 years old, 6'4", 204, played 56 games last year with the Lakers, 23 minutes a game. I believe he started almost all their postseason games, but of 11 points, 44% from the field, 36% from three. And uh, in a roster that's full of wings, I feel like Lonnie Walker could still separate himself. And obviously he came to Brooklyn knowing that he was going to get some time because I, I don't think you come to Brooklyn, see all these wings and all these guards here, and, uh, and you, don't, you don't come here for no reason. I, I couldn't agree with you more. This guy was so important in that series against Golden State. And I think Lonnie Walker, the biggest problem with him on the Lakers is they just had such a, 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 a depth of guards. D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, I mean, LeBron James is a ball handler. I think it was tough for Lonnie Walker to see the court and I'm, I'm I'm missing some, some guys there too, but he was so important in that third game against golden state. When the Lakers were looking for someone, you know, to score the ball, he took over in that fourth quarter. He had 12 points finished with 15 for the game. He was six of nine from the field, one of three from three point range. um, And, and just an absolute force. And he was, he was also defensively, a menace. He was a pest to Steph Curry. He was making life difficult for the Warriors, and he was hitting open shots. Again, another athletic player, another wing, a guy who's not a terrible three-point shooter. Um, I'm just, I'm very excited to see what he brings to the table. Like you said, he averaged 11.7 points per game last season. Uh, Three-point percentage around 37% last season. Not bad. Um, I, I, I really, I really liked. Uh, I like this pickup by Sean Marks a lot. You notice a trend between these two guys? Give it to me. Young, wanting playoff, wanting time, wanting to show that they could play, kind of needing a spot, wanting more minutes. I, I definitely see what Sean Marks is doing. It kind of reminds me of the Sean Marks before the KD era, taking a chance on the younger guy, taking a chance on the athletic guy, you know, guys that maybe were overlooked. It kind of feels like we're going back to that era, a little throwback. Yeah, look, I I think that 
the way the teams around Kevin Durant and Kyrie were built. It wasn't about getting young guys. It wasn't about getting athletic guys. It was about getting complimentary players. Seth Curry, Patty Mills, Yuta Watanabe, they were all complimentary players. Even Bruce Brown to a certain extent. And he killed it in Denver. He's a complimentary player. Now what you're seeing, you're not seeing Sean Marks go after guys that are complimentary players. You're seeing him go after guys that can make an impact in different parts of the game. Patty Mills, Joe Harris, and Seth Curry all do relatively the same thing. They shoot the basketball, which makes sense if you have Kyrie and KD because you don't need a lot else. Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker, they can score. They can defend. They can push the pace. They can occasionally get hot from the field. Um, but but most importantly, they're young. They have chips on their shoulder. And, and they just – I think that they fit with this current culture that I guess we're, re, we're trying to recreate – you know, we're, we're, let's, let's face it. We're trying to be a much better version of those D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie led Nets teams. That's what we're trying to be. And, uh, you know, the thought process is Mikhail Bridges is better than anyone else on that team. Cam Johnson is pretty much better than 90% of the players on that team. And Nick Claxton is Jared Allen. So let's see what we can put around these guys who can also have an impact and, and just lead this team closer to their final destination, which is getting more guys, getting more talent and being this three or four seed in the East. Cause right now let's face it. I don't think they're close to one, two or even three at this point. You can make an argument that they're looking at maybe a six, seven, eight type of. Yeah, no, right, 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 right now. I would, I would say seven or eight. I would probably say they're the seventh or eighth best team in the East. Yeah. I think the subtractions were almost bigger than the additions though. In all, in all honesty. So, so let's get into them. So, I mean, I'll, I'll list them all out and you can break, we'll, we'll break down the ones that we think were the most significant. Joe Harris traded to Detroit. We had to actually attach picks to that just to get off his salary. Patty Mills traded to Houston and rerouted to OKC. Seth Curry signed with Dallas. Yuta Watanabe signed with Phoenix. David Duke Jr. and Drew Smith did not receive offers from the Brooklyn Nets. So Pete, looking at this, what were, you know, what, which one of these subtractions stood out to you the most? Probably Joe Harris. It feels like there's a little bit more to that, that we had to put in two second round picks attached, one in 27, one in 29. I guess Sean Marks feels that, that those are going to be recoupable at some point. But uh, I think everybody knows why this deal was made. It was made for Cam Johnson, right? We needed to get that $19.9 million salary off of Joe Harris and uh, put it on Detroit. And this way, Detroit doesn't make us uh, overpay for Cam, right? They can't give him a big deal because they have to pay Joe. And we get the $19.9 million off our cap. We actually got a trade exception back in that deal. If you guys don't know, a trade exception, the best way I could kind of break it down to you guys is think of it as like a coupon, okay? Joe Harris is going to Detroit. We get a $19.9 million coupon. And if another trade that uh, that comes in the future, let's say a player is making 19 million, right? Instead of giving up a player with 19 million dollars, we give them that coupon in exchange, deducted. So let's say 19 million dollar salary come in, that 0.9 million is still left, but we didn't have to give up a player. That kind of makes sense. I, it's a little confusing. No, I, I absolutely love that. I thought that was NBA free agency vernacular for dummies. Like that, that was perfect the way you described that, because frankly, 
I am so not familiar with the trade exception. I know I texted you a few days ago being like, what the hell is this? And you sent me the article uh, and it was too many words for me to read. Yeah, I really sorry. Illiterate. Um, but that's okay. No, what, what you, uh, the way you just explained it is, is perfect. And um, yeah, that makes sense. I, I mean, you know, I think the biggest takeaway from these moves, we're done with the former era. I think the, the longest tenured net right now is Nick Claxton, right? I believe so, right? It has to be. I mean, Dinwiddie, but Dinwiddie left and came back. Claxton's been here the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and I think Claxton, you know, has been here longer than Dinwiddie at this point. So, you know, I, getting rid of, of Joe Harris, that was the, the final piece that were on those D'Angelo Russell, Dinwiddie-led teams who was who had stayed here throughout those years. Um, obviously, Patty Mills was, was here for, for a bit. And uh, as well as Seth Curry. So just, yeah, I, I mean, listen, thanks to all those guys for everything that they brought Brooklyn. You know, Patty Mills had his moments that that season um, where KD was hurt, Harden was hurt. He he had his his moments where he shined. Seth Curry had his moments as a Brooklyn net. Yuta Watanabe last season definitely had some some really nice moments with the squad. And Joe Harris, you know, it's it's my wife's favorite player. My wife was devastated. She actually texted me she's like i don't know if i can be a nets fan anymore and i said don't worry cam johnson and mikhail bridges are both very handsome guys root for them because i i think the only reason she rooted for joe harris because because he's a fox let's face it you don't have to you don't have to be in the guys or girls to understand when someone is handsome and, and he's handsome as all heck um so shout out to those five players david duke jr as well he had his moments as a brooklyn net uh but as a general manager you have to make these hard decisions so we've lost five we've gained two Pete, up to this point, what do you think of the move Sean Marks has made so far? All right. It's a little difficult for me to break this down because I have very strong feelings towards this. If you believe in the direction that Sean Marks is going, I think these are great moves. If you're someone that maybe wanted to get a bigger splash, you probably hate these moves. I happen to be in the, I guess I'm in the camp of wanting a bigger splash. So I, I'm not too happy with the direction, happy with the additions. What do you think? I think he's he's playing this close to the vest. I'm happy with the moves thus far. I think there's a lot that we as fans just don't know right now. There's a lot of information we're not privy to, right? Sean Marks has so much draft capital over these next few seasons. We, we don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to trade some of the, those first round picks in the next few years? Is he going to keep him? You know, we're obviously not in a full rebuild. So at some point he has to go big game hunting, whether it's this season, whether it's, it's next off season. Uh, so I, I'm going to say this. I don't think that Josiah is firing Sean Marks anytime soon. So instead of rooting against the guy, which I've done in the past, I'm going to support him. I'm going to root for him. And I'm going to believe in whatever plan that he has thus far because I actually like Lonnie Walker and Dennis Smith Jr. after I, I had a, a little bit to think about it. I like these two moves. And I like the fact that we got rid of five guys outside of David Duke Jr. who are not necessarily the most athletic guys in the league. Um, all right. Let's move on. This next segment is called Miami or Bust. Which is kind of funny because if you think about it a few years ago, uh, I forget, was it was it Bang Bros.? I think Hub, they, they put in that bid Yo. to to name the Miami Heat Arena. I can't remember which. Yeah, which I think you're right. It was, it was 100%. Right. 
So Miami or bust is a very fitting name. Should be Miami and bust. Uh, anyway, it was reported over the weekend that Damian Lillard only wants to play for Miami. That is his preferred destination. He really doesn't want to play for any anywhere else, which is, is kind of surprising because us as Nets fans, when he did that interview a few weeks ago, he said, you know, Mikhail's my boy. I wouldn't mind Brooklyn. So something, I guess, in his thought process has changed. Uh, having said that, Portland is adamant on receiving the best package for him. He does not have a no trade clause, so he can't, you know, do, uh, I guess, legally force his way to Miami. But what he can do is he can tell teams interested in him, if you trade for me, I'm going to be miserable and I'm not going to, I'm going to be hurt every game and I'm not going to show up. Uh, so it sounds like the Blazers are going to try to get him to Miami, but they're going to need a third team that has draft picks, that has young talent that would fit their future plans. Uh, looks like this thing could be dragged out through the summer. How do you think this impacts what the Brooklyn Nets and Sean Marks are trying to do this offseason? I think this is all just a smokescreen. If you remember, I think it was Shams first said that it was the Nets and Miami, right? And then another tweet came out maybe a couple minutes later saying only Miami. Very interesting that they would make a leap from that. Uh, if you're Portland, are you really going to trade the guy to a place that he doesn't want to go to? I'm not sure. But where did this intersect with the Nets? It's how bad do you want Dame, right? How bad? How many picks are you going to give up? What players are you going to give up? How badly are you going to pretty much mortgage your future to bring this guy in? I, I'm not sure. If I'm Trump Marks, I don't know if I make that deal. A lot of people are complaining about the contract. Listen, there's going to be a new TV deal in about two years. These big contracts are going to be normal looking. I'm telling you, right? So people got to chill with that. It's if you believe he can contribute at the age that he is in his mid-30s, right? And I, I do think that he can. And I do think being a Nets fan, it's a lot more fun when you have a star on the team compared to what the present roster looks like. If I'm the Nets, I, I, I still think you look into it. And I still think there's a deal to be made. Wait yeah, I definitely, I definitely don't think you overpay. I agree with you there. Um you know, it's funny because he talked about Damian Lillard talked about not wanting to join a super team and, and not wanting to join two or three stars. And I'm not saying Miami's a super team, but when he said all this, it made me think, well, then he has to be open to joining the Brooklyn Nets, right? They were they were a six seed that got swept in the first round. And yes, a lot of their wins came with KD and Kyrie on the team. But if he believes in Mikael Bridges, he that should be enough for him to be enticed to want to play in Brooklyn and Miami, not, not just Miami. So when I saw that report, I just thought, you know, it's kind of contradictory to what he said, you know, earlier in the last month or in that interview, when, when he said he just wants a shot, I think, I think if he's with the Nets, he, he has a shot and, you know, he's coming off career, like he averaged 32 points per game last season, he's coming off a career year. Um, but I, I agree with you. Look right now, and, and we'll get into this a little bit later. We have two point guards that can start anywhere in the NBA and Dinwiddie and Ben Simmons. Um, so one of them would most likely be moved in that, in that trade scenario. Uh, and we probably need a third team to take on one of those contracts. Cause I'm not sure that the Blazers would want to, you know, eat Ben's Ben's contract. Um, but I, I do think that we're a little bit lower on the totem pole now than we once were. Um, and we could be that third team that helps out Miami facilitate a trade with Portland. And if that is the case, then they say, as Nickelback wrote, 
a hero will save us. The Nets, out of all this, it, it came out over the weekend that they're interested in potentially acquiring Tyler Hero in a three-team three team trade if Lillard is moved to Miami. But then it was also reported the Nets will want more assets back than just Hero. So, Pete, Hero injured in the postseason. Miami goes on the run without him. It's, it's clear that he's expendable. Now, he is extremely young, Tyler Hero. I believe that he's only just 23 years old, um, and I'm about to confirm that right now. Yeah, he, no, he's, he's 23. He turned 20. There you go. Uh, his birthday was was January 20th, 2000. So he's 23 years old, averaged 20 points per game last season, shot 47% from the field in the last 10 games of the year, almost 40% from three. In the regular season, he shot around 38% from three and 44% from the field. Uh, he's a 90% three-point shooter, 93.4%. Um, I, all around, great young talent. Could get a lot better coming off a serious injury. Is this a guy, if you're the Nets, that helps you move the needle, you know, in, in this whole Dame Lillard trade scenario? I think it's something to look at. He fits the bill as an, you know, younger player, possible higher upside, played on a winner. I'm sure that's, uh, you know, important to Sean Marks. He's been on a playoff team that's been battle tested. Like, let's be honest, he has finals experience. I believe he's kind of been a little shaky in the playoffs. But listen, if you're going to take a chance on, on someone that's going to be a guard, I guess you could do a lot worse than Tyler Hero. I think the contract is what the issue is over here. And realistically, right, let's say that deal does go down. Are you going to really move Bridges to small forward and then Cam Johnson to power forward? Feels like we're going very small very quickly. What do you think? I'm okay with the small lineup. I, I don't, unless you're going to acquire a real stretch four. What's our lineup right now, Pete? Do you have Ben Simmons starting at the four? Yeah, I don't, I guess, right? I, I really, does he come off the bench? I, I It's, it's in, kind of incomplete. I really don't know what to say. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is how much better is Dorian Finney-Smith or Ben Simmons at the four than Cam Johnson? What do those guys really do that Cam Johnson doesn't? Yeah, Simmons can rebound a little bit more than those guys. Dorian Finney-Smith is a stretch four, but Cam Johnson's 6'8", right? He's, he's a tall dude, or, or he's tall enough where he can play the four. I would absolutely love this. If, if you have a lineup of Hero, Bridges, Cam Johnson, and then you know Dinwiddie or Ben Simmons at the point, and you have Claxton at the five, I think that's a pretty well-rounded starting five right there. You have at least three guys that can shoot the three, four if you include Dinwiddie, um, although he didn't shoot the, the three great last season. I, I I think that Hero has some untapped potential. And also he was in he was in the new White Men Can't Jump movie with Jack Harlow. He was great in that. Did of you course. see him act? I did not. He, he was great. So he can absolutely, you know, perform on the big stage. I saw that in the movie. He's only 23 years old. He has playoff experience. If you're not gonna go after Dame Lillard and you're trying to get younger. This is the way you do it. And I love that Sean Marks is being greedy here and being like, hey, I'm not super wild by Tyler Hero. I'm going to need more than that. And he's real. I think that when when all said and done and Miami makes this trade, I think that they're going to be a lot weaker in terms of just their depth. And it's going to be a very top-heavy team with Jimmy, Bam, and Dame. Because the way that you know the rest of the league is playing this, 
they know that Portland has to make a deal, but they don't have to make a deal, right? Miami just went to the championship. Technically, they don't have to do shit. Brooklyn doesn't have to get involved. So I think at the end of the day, you're going to see whichever that third team is, they're going to get a lot better out of this deal. Because right now, Portland does not want to trade with Miami straight up. Miami just does not have the assets to offer for a Damian Lillard caliber player. But do you like the contract, though? Isn't that an issue for you at all? What, the four-year, $120 million contract? Yeah, doesn't that bother you at all? Not if he performs. What is, okay, what is living up to that contract? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but what would you feel comfortable with paying him that money with this roster? Because is he going to be the uh, the A guy, 1A on our on our team? Is he going to be the number one scorer? Is he going to be the second scorer? What does he have to do to make you feel comfortable? Because I feel very uncomfortable. Okay. I, I, I like that question. If he is the 1B or the 2 to Mikhail Bridges' is 1, I would love that. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Tyler Hero is better than Cam Johnson? Ooh. From a scoring perspective. From a, probably from a, I would have to say yeah, right? I would have so, to so say yeah. If he joins the Brooklyn Nets, he immediately becomes the second best scorer on the team outside of Mikhail Bridges. And that is something that I'm interested in. I look at this Nets team, and you saw it in the playoffs. You don't have a lot of players that can score the ball at a high clip. Dinwiddie's inconsistent. Nick Claxton has improved offensively, but he's not an offensive player. Cam Johnson had his moments in the playoffs, but he was inconsistent. And Mikhail Bridges struggled mightily. So if you get a guy in Tyler Hero who averaged 20 points per game last season, you know can light, him, light it up when, he, when he's healthy. He can play on the ball. He can play off the ball. He's a very good three-point shooter. Yes, his contract would absolutely be worth it to me because he adds a, a second scoring punch. If, if Bridges – I almost said Embiid for some reason. If Bridges and Cam Johnson are struggling, Hero's the guy who can step in and take over. Um, and he, he just gives him a totally different element that I don't think the Nets have had since we had, you know, the big three with Harden, Irving, and KD. So he gives you that that third scoring punch along with Mikhail and Cam and occasionally Spence that I think you, you desperately need if you're the Brooklyn Nets. I think you did a very good job selling him to me because I was a little more iffy going, going into this podcast. I feel a little more comfortable, but I think I need a draft pick coming back, though, if this deal's going to be made. I, I need a cool. first. I need at least a protected first. A protected first. All right. Well, I mean, we're going to be sending picks to Portland, I guess. So then we would need a first for Miami. Is that what you're saying? Uh, if, let's say, Dame is going to go, let, let's try to work this out. We're <laughs> going to get Hero. Dame is going to go to Miami, right? So obviously Portland has to be getting picks. So that we assume that we'd have to be either be adding in another team or Miami's going to somehow get picks to both teams. So I, I don't okay. know. It's very complicated. It's complicated. Very complicated. All right. And we have a wild card in this whole scenario that isn't necessarily in play yet, but I think could be in play. The Philadelphia 76ers are most likely going to move on from James Harden. That is sort of what everybody's been reporting and, and what's out there. They have said that they're not interested in listening to any deals involving Tyrese Maxey, but the Nets have shown interest in this young guard. In the past. And with Harden potentially gone, if you're Daryl Morey, you need to figure out how to keep him beat here long term. He is a guy who will definitely look at this roster and say, I can't, I can't win with it with these guys. I can't win with just Tyrese Maxey. 
Damian Lillard would make a whole lot of sense in Philadelphia if he's able, if, if Maury really wants to convince Joel Embiid to stay there long-term. So is there any chance that we see Tyrese Maxey in a Brooklyn Nets uniform? I think there's a chance. There's always a chance, right? You really never know if you're Portland and it's the truth that you're really going to look for the best offer and the best deal. Could we see a Harden going to a third team, Dame to Philadelphia? Obviously, Portland would be flipping Harden for draft picks or a young player to another team. But, uh, you know, it, it's possible that in a deal like that, we could see a Maxi to Brooklyn deal. I would personally love that. I'm a big fan of the guy. He always kicks our ass. So it's always nice to get a guy that kicks kicks our ass on the net so he doesn't have to kick our ass no more. Yeah, and I think that if you plug him into this lineup, like he's a huge upgrade over Dinwiddie. I mean, let, let's be honest there. Smart, young player. Definitely could play well off of Bridges and, and, uh, and Cam Johnson and Nick Claxton. I would absolutely love him on this team. But we'll see. Maury's pretty adamant and not wanting to move him. And, you know, you can see why. Um, This next segment, I wanted to call, Are We Nervous? So over the weekend, while I was at the bachelor party with with, uh, my friends who are Knicks fans, they got some very exciting news. That the Knicks have acquired Dante DiVincenzo in free agency. He joins his former Villanova teammates, Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson. So now the Knicks have three out of four Villanova legends on that championship team with Jay Wright. And then Josh Hart tweeted at Mikhail Bridges to, quote, hit his phone. So maybe not now, Pete, but are we nervous that Mikhail Bridges eventually gets FOMO and wants to join the enemy with his boys? No, no. I'm 100% confident. This is our guy. He's staying. Don't even speak those words. Bad words. Yeah, I uh, I actually tweeted at Josh Hart after that. I said, hey, buddy, why don't you go drink some milk? I agree. But in right. all seriousness, all seriousness, no, I, I don't think that's going to happen. He's locked up with the Nets for a couple years. Uh, he's kind of been the face of Brooklyn, right? He's been made the franchise guy. I think he's been shown the love, and I think he loves it. I think I, think I really do think he loves the team. He loves Brooklyn. And uh, – I think he's here to stay. I'd be very shocked if he went to the Knicks out of all teams, the Knicks. Uh, first of all, I don't think he's going anywhere. Second of all, how pathetic are Knicks fans for getting super excited about Dante DiVincenzo? He's going to be like your seventh or eighth guy, right? Like he's like Josh Hart 1.0. They kind of do the same thing. They, they hit threes. They play defense. They're hustle guys. Enough, Knicks fans. Pipe down. All right? I had to hear, Pete, it's going to be a little bit of a rant. Go ahead, go for it. I had to hear all weekend that, oh, what are the Nets going to do? The Nets suck. No one wants to play in Brooklyn. You should absolutely, uh, you know, just stop being a basketball fan because you're for the Nets. How, how do you, you know, how, why do you even have a Nets podcast? This is what happens when you're friends with Knicks fans, Pete. And then they go absolutely buck wild because they sign Dante DiVincenzo. I, I, I just, you know, it amazes me. It amazes me. All right, let's move on before I get more flustered. I'm gonna, I, I got to make a comment talking about that. Okay, let me hear it. One, I, I do think actually it was a very good pickup for them. I actually wanted Bro. the Nets to get him, so I am a little upset. And they're talking about the Knicks fans and your friends and stuff. I have a friend who swears R.J. Barrett is God. It triggers me to the utmost levels that I, I don't know how I make it through each day. 
Well, it's funny. I like R.J. Barrett. He was, you know, they're, they're the, the third pick overall in the draft. So he he's a guy that if you're Knicks fans, you have to believe he's God. And that makes sense to me, right? Because we all want to believe that Mikael Bridges is God. So they got to believe that R.J. Barrett's God. That's but you fair. get, you, you know, you get like a mid-level talent like Dante DiVincenzo and you go nuts. I just, you know, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the net slander either, guys. All right? I'm mad at you guys. And you know who you are. You're probably not listening to this because you don't listen to my podcast, but I'm angry with both of you. All right, let's move on. We're going to end the show with five burning hot questions answered by the Fireside Nets guys. And this is brought to you by sailboats in New York City. They exist. You can go on them. You can pay to drink alcohol on them. Sailboats. This segment is presented by Boats. What do you think of that, Pete? Did, did you know we had that sponsor? I didn't. That's amazing. Shout out to Boats and Sailboats. Pretty boat. big get. Pretty and big alcohol. get. I love Boats. All right, question number one. Pete, what else does Sean Marks need to do to improve this roster this offseason? We need to add one more score, maybe a power forward, maybe a change at point guard. But uh, I just can't trust the starting lineup of last year to put up the offensive numbers that we need to, to be able to compete. That's, that's flat. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know if it's a trade. I don't know if it's a free agent signing. But we need one, at least one more punch in scoring. That's what I would say. If we're not going to make another trade, which I think we absolutely should, I need to see the Nets get one more big man to back up Clax and improve this roster. Get a stretch four or a stretch five. And I want to shout out Nets Kingdom. Popular account on Nets Twitter. They wrote, still waiting to sign Mo Bamba or Christian Wood or any good four or five that can rebound. These are the guys I want on this Nets team. Those two guys are absolutely perfect. We have, for some reason, not looked into, I mean, Jeff Green was like perfect for what he did, right? He was a stretch four that could hit the three. We haven't had a player like him since. You know, Yuta Watanabe really wasn't a four. He was a three playing the four. Um Blake Griffin could not really shoot the three consistently. I want a guy like a Christian Wood or even a Mo Bamba that that can play big minutes if you need him to. If Clax gets in trouble, that can produce. I love Dayron Sharp as a person. He he, if he's your backup center, then you have some problems with your roster because he's just not it, Pete. He just doesn't have it on the offensive side of the basketball. Defensively, I, I've seen him. You know just get worked way too many times by guys bigger than him. Uh, and he really can't stretch the floor with his jump shot. I disagree. I, I think Daron Sharp is still growing. Remember it took Clax, what, like two years to get it together. This will be the big year to see if Daron Sharp can, can be the backup center. If you remember at the end of the year, he played pretty well. I think it was like maybe the last 10, 15 games. It looked like he was getting his game together. I understand small sample size, We've seen a lot more bad than good. Yes, I get it. I get it. But I think he's at least deserved a look at maybe, you know, the backup center at 10, 15 minutes a game. I would not be mad considering that we're going young. That's what I would okay. say with that. Agree to disagree. Next question. Who is the team's starting point guard? Spencer Dinwiddie or a healthy Ben Simmons? It's got to be, got to be Spence, right? It's got to be Spence. I'd love to see Ben get the minutes. I'd love to see Ben get more acclimated with this team. 
But until he shows us that he could at least put up like 10 and 10 a night, it has to be Spence that's starting. If you're going to start clacks in the middle, you need four shooters. Spence had a rough, you know, let's be honest, a little rough in his return to Brooklyn shooting from three. He's going to fix that. He's shown, I don't know, maybe the last five, six years that he could knock down to three at a, at least a decent rate, at least an average rate. He's going to go back to that. We're going to see Spencer Dinwiddie at opening night point guard. I would love to see Sean Marks have an open competition between these two guys. I now, agree. Obviously, whoever wins out, you'd have to trade the other one. I don't want to see Spencer Dinwiddie or Ben Simmons be a backup on this team. I really don't. It just doesn't make sense. You have Cam Thomas on your bench still who can come in and, and, and be that six-man microwave. You don't need two of those guys. Um, and Ben Simmons off the bench, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. You can't have a contract like that, and he plays 10 to 15 minutes a night if he's healthy. So, honestly, uh, in a perfect world, I would have Ben Simmons be the point guard and go get a true shooting guard so you have, like, a hero, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges-type core in that starting five, and you have Clax and Ben Simmons on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I want to see Ben Simmons succeed as a Brooklyn net. I, I, I decided that this off season, I'm not sure if it happens, but the first step would either be to have them compete in the off season or trade Spencer Dinwiddie. So my pick is Ben Simmons. So far me, me and you have disagreed on two straight questions. I got a question. Why are you so against Dinwiddie coming off the bench? I don't think he would accept that role. I, I, I think that he is a guy who, believes he's a top 10 point guard in the league. Obviously he's not, but he's extremely confident. If you ever heard any of his interviews, I think he'd look at it as an insult. Uh, he didn't come here from Dallas, you know, being traded for Kyrie to be on the bench. I just, I don't think he'd be a hundred percent cool with that role. That's I, I, get I, that. I know. I know he's your guy, That's like, what I'm saying. I, he's my guy but I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be uh, unbiased here, but if it's so, so, coming from that, I'm like, eh, we don't know what he's thinking, right? But yeah, we'll see. I, I could I could see that. I could definitely see that. We know that he wants minutes. I could see him coming. I'm gonna disagree with you again. He can come off the bench and get major minutes. Maybe he doesn't start the game, but maybe he plays 25 minutes. I don't know. We'll see what happens. All right. Third question. Who is this team currently? Who is the Brooklyn Nets second best player after Mikhail Bridges? Man, uh it's either got to be Clax or CJ for me. It's got to be one of those two. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to go with Cam Johnson just because I've seen pretty much everything that I needed to see in, in the in the postseason. Clax kind of went a little bit flat against Embiid, which is very tough competition. Don't get me wrong. But just the fact that I saw that ceiling that Cam Johnson has, that, that that's going to lead me in that direction for, the, for this question. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. I, I love Clax. It's close, right? It's not Very. like Cam Johnson's a runaway, uh, the runaway choice here, but I do think just what he brings from the three-point line, he can create off the dribble, he can catch and shoot. He's a pretty solid defender. He just brings more to the game than Claxton does right now. So I would I would agree that Cam Johnson is the second best player. And really fast, I have two more questions. Um Another guard that was on that Lakers team that I completely forgot, Malik Beasley, just reached a one-year deal with the Milwaukee Bucks, according to, to Sham Sharania. So that's another guy that was in that backcourt that made it hard for Lonnie Walker to get minutes. But it was Walker who shined in the postseason, not Malik Beasley. 
All right. Question number four. Will the Nets move Royce O'Neal or Dorian Finney-Smith before the offseason is over? And if so, which one are you moving first? Uh no trade for both of these guys. They're going to, I think they're going to make the roster. Yeah, I do. I, if you would have asked me this a week ago, I would have said one or both may be gone by this time. Now everything's a little wait and see pattern, unless they're part of a bigger deal. I, I don't see this. I really don't see them being moved. Let's wait to the trade deadline. I think they get moved at the trade deadline. And if I had to move one, I think it would be Royce. You think it would be Royce. Okay, it's funny. If I had to move one, I'd want to move Dorian Finney-Smith. Of course you would. I would. I would. I, I, I. First of all, Royce was a guy who his role changed up a lot after the trade, right? He went from starting Absolutely. to off the bench. I thought he handled it very well. I thought he was professional about it. And he came in and gave us some really good minutes um, throughout that second half of the year. And he accepted his role. I like Royce. I think he's a team first guy. You saw him working out this offseason with David Duke Jr., trying to get these young guys better. Not taking away anything anything from Dorian Finney Smith. Just for me, he doesn't bring enough to the table on this Nets team. Um, he didn't do enough in the playoffs. And I, I just think there's a team out there. Like if you're gonna make this three, four team deal with Miami, I'm sure Miami would love to take DFS back. Like he would fit perfectly with what what they do. He's a grit and grind type of player. I just for, for what Brooklyn's trying to do, he doesn't fit the bill. You need scoring. You need rebounding. You don't necessarily need a, a, a three and D guy who really plays more of a small forward than he does a power forward. Yeah, you know what? You, you completely changed my mind, and I'm going to tell you why. If I was moving a player, I'd want to move Royce, even though. You're right. He played very well. He actually had, if you remember, he had ball handling duties at one point. When Dinwiddie was he on did. the court, he was the ball handler. And I have to give him props for that. But I do, I have to, like I said, I got to change up my answer. I think Dorian Finney-Smith would be the one that's moved. And I'll tell you why. He has more perceived value throughout the NBA than Royce, at least at this point. I think people look at his Dallas days and listen, he was great, great. Three-point shooter from the corner, great defender, clutch, great guy, came to Brooklyn, like you said, didn't work. I think that the Dallas days will kind of help him be moved. Yeah. So you changed yeah. me. I'm glad I was able to change you there. And then finally, question number five, which rookie are we most excited to watch on this Brooklyn Nets team? There's three guys that we drafted. Which one are you most excited to see? It's got to be Whitehead, right? He's the highest ceiling. By far. What do you think? What are you feeling with these guys? I'm going to go wild court, wild card. I'm excited to see Jalen Wilson. If he can make the team, he's, he's the best scorer out of the three guys we got, right? He's an older player uh, as far as rookies go. Um, but he was a, a key player on that Kansas team. He's a guy that can shoot. He can score. I'm really excited to see if he can come in off the bench and, and be a real contributor this season and, and, and work his ass off and, you know, just prove that even though he's a second-round player, he belongs in this league. Bold prediction right now, he's going to get at least 10 to 15 minutes a game by the end of the year. I see him making the roster, and he's definitely going to have a role. I really feel like they really like him. Remember, he put up 20 points a game in college. He was the what, Big 12 player of the year. This guy, this guy's a good fit on this team. I, I see him getting a lot of minutes. I really do. 
All right. And listen, this is this is real quick. I just wanted to get this out there. Um, thoughts and prayers to Obi Toppin as a New York Nick. Can, can we just, can we, you know, bow our heads in silence and uh, say, hey, Knicks fans, we're sorry it didn't work out, but you guys got two second-round picks for him, which I'm sure will pan out because Nikola Jokic, he was a second-round pick, and people don't forget that. Facts. So, facts, right? So, shout-out to the Knicks. Uh, sorry it didn't work out w- with your guy, Obi, uh, even though every time he played, I thought he was pretty good. Um yeah, I just you know so, something to think about if you're if you're a Nets fan. The thoughts and prayers are, are with our uh, are with our Knicks fans over there at the Garden. All right, Pete, that just about does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Anything you want to say to the fans and the audience before we close out the show? Sure, uh, my podcast, the only Nets fans you know, is going to be dropping an episode on July fourth. I got. Lucas Kaplan joining me. We're going to be talking about the free agency, the new CBA, the new guys joining the team, and a couple other topics. It was a good talk. We talked about for about 40 minutes. Check that out. All right. I'm Spen Harris. He's Pete. And we will see you next week on the Fireside Nets podcast, brought to you by Empire Sports Media.